Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these. I'm David. I'm Tyler. And and, and Tyler, uh, well, we'll get to the movies in a second, but I wanted to address something ASA possible, as okay. our friend Jimmy Pardo would say, um, <laughs> because we record the Patreon episodes weeks in advance, and sometimes yeah. I forget what I said, and sometimes, you know, we Oh, I forget to- what I said immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um We've had a number of issues over the in the past where sometimes we've like mentioned someone on the show or on the Patreon and they pass away, and that's very sad. Or I think we had famously we had an episode where you and I were talking about James Toback's movies literally days <laughs> before the uh, the allegations, many yeah. many allegations against him came out. And so uh, to most listeners, this won't mean anything. But to the patrons, I wanted to address that we had had on the mailbag episode this week. One of the questions was, who's a director you'd like to see be given a blank check? You know? Right. Yes, yes. And I mentioned that I was a fan of the films of Shane Carruth. And I still am a fan of the films of Shane Carruth. Sure. I could not have... We, we could not have timed the release of that episode of me saying that more poorly. Um, what happened? Know, What's going know, on, Because Dave? you have a lot going on in your life right now. You are even less than usual aware of what is going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is saying something. World. Yeah, but um, so I guess the other day, Shane Carruth on his Twitter account posted what seemed to be an innocuous picture of the Upstream Color soundtrack on vinyl, hmm. but... All it took was uh, a couple of people to look a bit more, more closely and and realize that he had. I'm gonna say, I, I'm gonna say it seemingly purposefully based on the based on the way things are laid out. He seems to have purposefully included in the bottom right hand corner of the frame a restraining order that was taken out against him by Amy Simons, the actress and director and writer, and his ex girlfriend. Um, and there's oh. just like, especially like. On the one hand, it does seem, as someone who doesn't do this sort of thing, it's amazing to me that not only, because this wasn't even in his main feed, it was like a reply to someone else. So someone else had to be looking at these pictures and think to zoom in. But in any case, they did that. And based on, I don't know, I, I can tell you're looking it up right now because I can see you. I, I am, yes, yes. The, the way that it's laid out, the way that the, the, the line of the where the record is, is perfectly positioned so that you can see his name and Simons's name and the, and the words temporary restraining order seems very intentional to me. Oh yes. Okay. Um, and I know it sounds weird, but like somebody like Shane Carruth, like he's very conscious of the frame. Yeah, he yeah, knows what's in the frame point, yeah. and what isn't. So yeah, he, that, this can't possibly be a mistake. And so, yeah, a lot of things have come up about how, uh, about his behavior, um, uh, toward Amy Simons while they were together in which he uh, is alleged to have uh, physically attacked her, but also since in which he is, uh, alleged to, and essentially has seen with, we have like email proof of him literally threatening her, stalking her, harassing her. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and that's so i would like to change my answer to amy simons i've heard i i didn't see uh i've seen, i've always loved her as an actress um mm-hmm. uh in, in movies like obviously she's in your neck she's in a she's great in entertainment she has just like 
I guess you'd call it two scenes. They're right back to back. Do you remember the, the, did you ever see entertainment? I forget the Neil Hamburger. No, it's not, yes, I did. Uh, yes. That's right. Oh, and she's, oh, yeah, she's and marvelous. He, like, yeah. He, and he like says abuse. She like heckles him and, yeah. uh, and he says these abusive things to her. And then she, she confronts him in the parking lot after it's a great, uh, scene, a uh, couple of scenes. She's very talented. I haven't seen sun. Don't shine her, movie that she directed that uh i've heard good things about and then i've heard very good things about she dies tomorrow which is the movie that she's directed that's coming yes, out next week yes. which uh a lot of people have maybe speculated that this is part of shane cruz uh harassment manipulation was to do this right before she is potentially doing press or whatever for her uh, and for movie. somewhat shortly after i think he didn't he so, kind of recently announced like he's retiring or whatever it is yeah, and he, so he gave a, a an interview to IndieWire I think it was IndieWire uh, back in May that was ostensibly about a movie that he's a producer on but yeah that he said a bunch of crazy things about uh, about Hollywood um, uh, so yeah uh, I would like I said I'd like to change my answer to I want Amy Simon to have an unlimited uh, budget and to no, I feel like I feel like enforced. giving Shane more resources I think is a good call let's just really yeah <laughs> really get him to load up on whatever it is that allows him to do what he wants to do yeah um, yeah but, but uh, uh, you know I uh, but I also want to point out this is so I wanted to get that out first because that yeah. uh, obviously the, my main thing is that I hope Amy Simons is uh, is safe. Um, yeah. And and I hope that uh, justice is served in whatever form uh, that uh, legally needs to be done. Um, but I also want to say the number of tweets that I've seen, like ta- talking shit about Upstream Color or Primer, and then that uh, like and the people don't like Upstream Color or Primer. That's fine with me. But I'm sure. Saying, like, but whenever this happens, it's always like that's not the point do you know what I mean yeah. oh yeah absolutely I, I think it is helpful to recognize with someone like Shane Carruth or someone like Ciro Guerra who I talked about on the show recently uh, it is helpful to recognize that people who make art that you like aren't necessarily good people and, yeah. and, and, and that you 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 know it's to, uh, you and I I think when we were younger and maybe less woke were more openly advocating for separating the art from the artist now I would say I would say that's an individual decision. Uh, I don't have any problem yeah. with someone not separating the art from the artist. You know, if they if they if that's how they choose to engage with art. But I I, I think uh, every time this happens, you know, going back to Louis C.K. and Aziz Ansari, suddenly you see this like wave of people being like, "Yeah, they were never funny anyway." It's like, no, well, no, they're <laughs> Louis they're C.K. still was, pretty hilarious. Uh, was a, a very talented stand-up and a very talented uh, filmmaker. Really, I never saw. I love you, Daddy. But uh, the filmmaking yeah. on on his show was very good, and we need to recognize we we can't live in this culture where uh, we expect every person we're a fan of to be uh, uh, exemplar, to, to, to exemplars, to be role models. Well, and that's... we have we have to we have to mark our own moral uh, path and, and 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 not hold up people as as beacons or, or or icons because people will always let you down people are fallible yeah that's i mean it's definitely something i feel like the the larger culture that we're a part of uh and i don't necessarily mean movie culture i just mean american culture i feel like it it has become extremely um i won't necessarily say black or white but definitely um there there's a i feel like a growing disparity um, between 
how we think we act, how we think other people act, how we think we should act, that, whatever it is. Uh, and I do think that it's one of those things where, especially when we look back at the past and we say like, Oh, I can't believe this person did this. Then, you know, you know what? They're no, they're not a hero anymore. It's like, well, they still can be this action that they did can be lauded. And then this other thing can be condemned. now, if you want to look at the person behind those actions, you can say like, okay, well, uh, let's not look at this, but I don't like the idea of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Like, what was it? I think it was the Simpsons where, uh, where I think Homer, didn't he, uh, come across a great deal of money, but it turns out it was somehow like, uh, ill gotten or something. And so Marge and Lisa are saying like, now we got to get rid of that money. He goes now, now it's not the money's fault <laughs> that, <laughs> that is where it came from. And I, I, in that, in the same way, I realized that art doesn't necessarily spring out of nowhere. Uh, but I do feel like it's one of those things like the fact that people that are deeply flawed to the point that, of course, everyone's deeply flawed, but to the point where they are hurting other people one way or another, like the fact that that type of person can still put out tremendously insightful art speaks, I think, to the larger nature of art and an almost transcendent nature of art. But it also doesn't mean it doesn't need to you don't need to use that to try to redeem the person that made it now if it comes like and i also don't like the idea where it's like yes but they're making such great things i want them to continue doing that i was gonna say that like like, uh, that's you know what i've said before i would i would give i would give back rosemary's baby and chinatown and repulsion and all these movies that i love for that girl to not have been raped like i would absolutely give back those experiences Mm -hmm. and if shane cruth never makes another movie again uh then I, I I won't really shed a tear uh, yeah. for that, but I'm not going to pretend like Upstream Color wasn't on my top ten list that year. Yeah, exactly. It's and I think it's one of those things where like there is the past, present, and future. We don't necessarily have to conflate all of them. Like as you said, like if we could, we would do this thing, but we can't. And so Rosemary's Baby and Chinatown are still around, and now we have to figure out for ourselves what we think of them and and what what value we put on them uh, in the large, in our own lives and in the larger culture. But I do think that going forward, then it's like, okay, now, because especially if it's a situation like Shane Carruth, where, okay, it would appear that as long as this person is making movies or whatever it is, people will be put in their path for to hurt. So we need to remove that path. You know what I mean? but that doesn't mean that there ha- that there's nothing behind like i don't like the idea of of just pushing the pa- acting as though the past never happened simply because it turns out at the time there was some stuff going on so i think it's i think it's so complicated and to simply paper over somebody's crimes because they've done something terrible uh, or yeah no, sorry, to paper over somebody, somebody's crimes because you like what they did or to act like you never like what they did because yeah. of, uh, of ne- negative things they've done. It's like, you're going to have to live in this tension. Like I myself, something I've, I've learned in therapy, I tend to, if, if faced with something I've done wrong or I've let somebody down, I jump immediately to I'm totally worthless. Uh, and in my view, I always thought, well, that's preferable to I'm the best person ever. Well, in actuality, 
it's, it, it might be preferable in a larger sense, but it doesn't mean that doesn't mean it's healthy. And both, both, uh, stances, even if they're hard to pull off logistically and emotionally, they're philosophically easy. You can say, well, no matter what happens, I know I'm a piece of shit or no matter what happens, I know I'm the best guy ever, or you take the much harder position. And it's sometimes I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Other times I have a really bad day and living in that tension is, is what we need to do. And I think increasingly people are like, no, I think I'm good with extremes. And it's like, no, that's, that's, that, that will only, that can only last you for so long before it starts to do damage. Yeah, we should. I think we need to stop expecting people to, like, like I said before, to, to yeah. embody everything that we want to be good in the world and yeah. and, in, and in society. Try and you know try I mean, and do that for yourself. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, you're my fr- you're you're my friend. We've known each other many years, and I hate you most of the time. <laughs> you know, but not all the time, <laughs> and that's the important thing. That okay. Is, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So uh, we're going to talk about some movies. It's probably going to be a fairly short episode. Uh, so I'm glad we started with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I, know, I, I, feel, I feel bad because I know we normally try to keep it kind of lighter on the journals than like we allow ourselves to get into stuff. But trust me, this week's uh, uh, main episode will probably be very uh, light. Um, well, as long as we're going back and uh, trying to uh, change things from the Patreon, I will say that uh, we we did a, a top five of 2001 and a top five of 2002. And in between, I changed computers and changed lists. And so the okay. same movie sh- uh, showed up on my top five for both years, which is Spirited Away. Um, oh, and. Okay. That's very and, funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's this is the kind of thing that, hey, you remember before when I talked about how uh, I'll just hate myself? If yeah. so, like, <laughs> this is just sealed in stone. There's nothing we can do to change it. And so I'm just going to, you know, when I think of uh, anything related to the Patreon, it's like, oh, the Patreon, that's when I did that thing that time that makes me lose all credibility. I'm, and I'm the worst person ever. Why does anybody listen to me? And uh, that sort of thing. So, uh, but yeah, you got to have- laugh about it. I hope. Yeah, I have. I have similar. Like, the, my wife and I have been playing a lot of gin rummy, like during the, this mm-hmm. quarantine. And so the other day, I love how old you guys are. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. The other day we were playing, and I don't know if you know the new rules of gin rummy, but like I could have knocked, and I didn't. And Natalie played her next card, and so it was too late for me to knock. And I realized, mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh. I should have knocked there. And yeah. for the rest of that game, I was like, it doesn't matter whether I win or lose this game. I lost because I yeah. did it wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. dumb thing. It's not whether you win or lose. It's did you do it perfectly? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know what you mean. Uh, all, right. all right. Well, you have more than I do, so why don't you start? Yeah. So uh, the other day I watched uh, Garrett Price's Love Antosha, the uh, documentary oh, yes, about Anton Yelchin. Uh, you did see it. Yeah, I reviewed okay. it for BattleshipRetention.com. It is a... Uh, now, what was that again? <laughs> what was that say? Um, yeah, I really I really liked it. Um, you know, going in, I had this thought of like, it's like, boy, this really... Yeah. It's like, boy, this really puffs up Anton Yelchin. And I thought, 
what did you expect it to do? It's basically a eulogy. Um, But what I like and what I really respond to is just how much they try to allow him to speak for himself where they can. Uh, They have, you know, he, he journaled constantly. And so they, they read excerpts from his journal and sometimes it makes him look like a deeply insecure person. Other times it makes him look like an extremely cocky person. Um, and he was clearly intelligent, that's for sure. Um, and I also like, in thinking back on it, I realized like, there are moments where it doesn't necessarily make him look amazing. Um, you know, there's, there's a moment where Chris Pine is talking about how, you know, Anton Yelchin had a certain adorable younger brother quality to him, but women still really were attracted to him. And it goes, it's like, it's like, Oh, women loved him. And he loved women. It's like, there's a lot in that delivery <laughs> that suggests that, uh, yeah. that he was uh, a bit of a, a womanizer, but maybe, maybe not in a way that was necessarily like predatory or anything. Um, it sounds like a lot of women like approached him, uh, but nonetheless, uh, and then he would go out like late at night and take like these very strange uh, erotic uh, photos and stuff. And so there was this, this aspect to him that I find really interesting. And then I think some people in watching it, they could, they might condemn that. And I think it's to the film's credit that, that they include it. Um, I also think it speaks volumes about Anton Yelchin that they were a, that so many people were willing to be interviewed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and they might've shown up for 30 seconds in it. Like there's Frank Langella for 30 seconds. There's Willem Dafoe for 30 seconds, if that. And, and all of them, of course, you're not going like to speak Jennifer ill of somebody. Lawrence. Oh, she's marvelous. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that perfect, uh, that Jennifer Lawrence self-deprecation. That we <laughs> yeah. Come to expect is very, very and, on point. And she gets uh, emotional during it, you know, as, as a lot of people do. So I realize that, you know, nobody's going to speak ill of him uh, during this, you know, so soon after his death, but the, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that they have to take part in this either. So, uh, but everyone seems so willing to, to be a part of it and, and say these things about him. And to me, one thing that I find fascinating is that like of all the people, the people that seem to be like the closest with him, as far as were interviewed. Yes, of course, there are like, as far from, as far as famous people, he did it. They, good to their credit they interviewed a lot of his like non-famous friends uh who knew him for a number of years uh they didn't just turn this into a a who's who of mourners um but also chris pine definitely seemed to be like close with him as did of all people martin landau um (laughs) which is fascinating but uh but somehow not surprising i feel like it's a for the type of documentary that it is which is like yes it's we're going from one talking head to another, but I feel like it's done with such humanity and such love and such emotion and really trying to, rather than try and take this objective point of view, uh, it really tries to get into who Anton Yelchin really was and convey that uh, so that by the end, you really get a sense of what was lost. And I, and I really did. I mean, I, I, you and I have liked Anton Yelchin for a long time. I mean, um, I remember he was in that show Huff in the, in the mid two thousands. I thought he did a great job on that. Um, I, in a way I was kind of bummed that they didn't talk about, um, and I always forget the name of it now. Damn it. The, with Peter Sarsgaard experimenter. Oh yeah, yeah. They didn't yeah. talk about experimenter. They didn't really talk about Huff, did they? I don't think. Uh, no, they didn't. Hank Azaria uh, and Padgett uh, Brewster and Blake yeah. Danner and get some Oliver Platt in there. Oliver, and, yeah, you could have had a. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, it's, I mean, I understand obviously they, they are going to want to play up some of his, his, uh, his bigger roles, like the stuff that people know him for, but nonetheless, uh, it definitely made me want to go in and, and watch some of those smaller movies. Like he was in a lot of stuff and, um, and he clearly was going to be moving into directing and probably could have been a pretty good director, uh, over time. And I think it's, it really, it's a celebration, but also an acknowledgement of how sad this is. Um, and I really love the moment. I mean, it's, it's, I didn't really get emotional except at this moment where it talks about him having cystic fibrosis and having to struggle to breathe, but doing his exercise and getting to a point where he was kind of beating it. And then it was Chris Pine who said the idea that this guy lived with this, his, his whole life. And then the thing that killed him was not cystic fibrosis, but nonetheless, the idea that he was pinned so that he couldn't breathe. And this is someone who struggled to breathe his entire life. Uh, I remember in that moment, it's like, man, yeah, that's the kind of thing that, you know, when you, it's, it's not necessarily ironic, but it's the kind of thing that like, when you know someone, you know that they've been struggling with this their whole life and now there's nothing they can do uh, to, to get over, to get past this thing. Uh, it really affected me. I, I liked the movie. I, I really, I would say I love the movie. I think it really was effective and, uh, and I highly recommend it. I think I saw it on canopy. So if people have canopy, they can check it out there. Canopy's great. We, uh, we endorse canopy. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I remember, I mean, you mentioned Martin Landau. I remember when I saw it was shortly after, uh, Albert Finney had passed away. Mm-hmm. And so to see Anton Yelchin, a very young person, acting alongside people like Martin Landau and Albert Finney, who are also gone yeah. now, uh, makes it all the more tragic that he never got to be that old, yeah. uh, you know, that Albert Finney, uh, Martin Landau, yeah. uh, old sort of the lion of, uh, of cinema. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I think you should go again. Basically. Okay. Next is a rewatch, a movie I know you love. You like it more than I do, but I do enjoy it. And that is David Wayne's They Came Together. Oh, um, I was just saying, my wife and I were just saying we should rewatch that because I can't remember what even we were saying, but I did. We did. We were in the car and we did the whole like, you can say that again. Uh, <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> thing. Man, you know, it's the film really. And my wife loves the. Uh, uh, when he and his friends play ba- basketball and they just go basketball, basketball. <laughs> and everything they say swish after everything, uh, but not in like a sarcastic. Yeah. You know, I'll say this, like da- I think David Wayne is hit or miss for me, but one thing that I really appreciate is his total commitment to whatever bit he is doing <laughs> that you can say that again, bit goes on so much longer than you ever thought it would. Um, and I do appreciate that. And I appreciate his, his willingness to go dark with things like, you know, Michael Shannon showing up there at the end and then what happens to him in the background. Yeah. Uh, I really, uh, I really love it. And, um, and so even though I think, and you know, in a way, when you watch Young Frankenstein or Blazing Saddles or any or or even something like The Naked Gun, you really get a sense of affection, you know, for these movies that are being parodied. You watch They Came Together, and it's like I think David Wayne might actually hate 
romantic comedies because like he really in in the in the character archetypes and in the type of scenes that we see like there is uh, there is genuine disdain for for these tropes he also oh he knows knows it yeah so well that he must love it a little bit but yeah there are are some of the things that get skewered to use that over uh, term are things that bother me about romantic comedies i love the uh New York is like another character in our story. Oh, yeah. I love that running joke because yeah. uh, I hate that. And then I've said before that there's a joke that is so hard to explain that's about like exposition being delivered via like ADR, like voiceover. Yes. Uh, there's a joke about that that it feels like it was made for me specifically because it's the thing that bothers me in movies yeah. and it's done so well. The, the fact that, uh, the fact that he and uh, Max, uh, Green, Greenfield, is that his name? Uh-huh. Um, just only ever really refer to each other as uh, big brother and little brother. Like that is one, like I have a big brother. Never in my yeah. entire life have I referred to him as big brother and he's never referred to me as little brother or bro or anything like that. And yet I see it in movies all the time, even movies I like. It's just such like, I get why it's there at first to like, just very quickly establish this, these characters relationship to each other. But the idea that they just keep doing it. And I, the disdain might come less from David Wayne and more from the actors, the way in which they commit to these characters, like all those basketball guys, uh, (laughs) you know, the way that they play these types, it's almost like they're getting revenge on having to have played these types in the past, like, but for real. Um, And a film that is as, that is as, for lack of a better term, negative. I mean, obviously the tone of the film is negative, but underneath is a real, I feel like a simmering rage that these exist and are so pop, uh, popular. Um, so I really, I really responded to it uh, this time around. I liked it a lot. The other joke, um, I could just list jokes from of course. together that I love, but the other joke that I absolutely love about these types of movies, not just rom-coms, but these sorts of movies in general, um, is the the way that passage of time is marked with like oh, yeah. a party that's specifically for a holiday like let's say halloween yeah. that starts with it's at a halloween party and people are saying it's halloween it's halloween <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's you know in a way i feel like uh cuz as as listeners know i occasionally do a script consultation for people and i feel like this is if somebody was ever writing a romantic comedy about like, watch this mm-hmm. do you see how much how how gross it makes you feel to see these moments yeah try to avoid this type of thing uh because if it's in this movie it means it's been done too much um no i never saw walk hard which i, I did you're yeah. a fan of did uh, you also- it's, uh, my, uh, mildly oh okay did you also see Bohemian Rhapsody? Because I did not. That, that was a common complaint that I saw on Twitter about Bohemian Rhapsody is, did the writers of Bohemian Rhapsody not watch Walk Hard? Did they not realize that everything they're doing has already been lampooned in Walk Hard? Or did they watch Walk Hard and not know it was a comedy? Uh, though, admittedly, that's that's one of the things that I find interesting about uh, Walk Hard. I don't know if I'd say I like it, but um, it kind of stops being a comedy, and the last act is pretty sincere so in a way it kind of falls victim it's just like yeah this formula still works even if you're trying to make fun of it whereas they came together like they still find ways to uh they still find ways to poke fun at uh, and that's me being generous poke fun at uh, at this genre 
All right, so my one movie for the week. Yes, I only watched one movie, but I did watch a fair amount of television, which we'll talk about uh, on the <clears> Patreon uh, coming up. And also I watched some baseball, which I'm conflicted about. Uh, baseball's back, which is fantastic for me. I love that sports are back because I enjoy sports. But like the fact that we've already had outbreaks of COVID among the Marlins and as of today, the Phillies. Sure. Like, I don't know if this is going to work and should I be enjoying it? Like, it feels like this probably shouldn't be happening. Should I be enjoying it? But also there's something, uh, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like if sports come back and stay back, mm-hmm. which I, there's no, there's no guarantee that MLB yeah. season isn't going to shut down again, but I feel like it might make me a bigger sports fan than I was before just because it's the first like major thing that that is has been missing yeah. to come back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Coming back before movie theaters or before going to bars or like that sort of thing. The fact that I could just watch a baseball game. I was I've never been so excited to like normal. I've normally in in recent years I've been the kind of baseball fan. You know, I'm from St. Louis, which is where you know it's a drinking town with a baseball problem, as as they like to say. <laughs> um, and like being a Cardinals fan is sort of just like uh, in your blood. But in recent years, I've become the pretty common. Like I'm a playoffs baseball fan. That I you know I I wait till the playoffs. That's when it matters, and that's when I pay attention. So I've never uh, never been as excited to watch the second game of the Cardinals season as I was to watch their nine to one route of the of the uh, uh, the Pirates uh, this past Saturday. But anyway, this is all by way of saying I only watched one movie. <laughs> what movie was it? So, so the movie uh, which comes out in a few days is a Guatemalan film called La Llorona, which I know what you're thinking, like, wasn't there just a movie called The Curse of La Llorona right, last yeah. year? But this movie, it's uh, it's not a ripoff. It's, I think it's, uh, it, they were probably made around the same time. It, it played festivals late last year. It, it's probably just, I think it's just a coincidence. And also, I feel like the movie from the Spanish-speaking nation probably uh, <laughs> should get uh, uh, primacy in uh, which movies get to be called La Llorona. Um, and, but much like uh, The Curse of La Llorona, uh, which I, I didn't see, but much like it uh, is a horror movie, this is a horror movie. Uh, it's the third film from director Jairo Bustamante. I haven't seen his past two films, one of which is called Ishkanul, and one of which is his English title is Tremors. Um, so again, this guy's just constantly making yeah. movies. Uh, but uh, the Spanish, the Guatemalan, the Spanish title is Temblores, which I like. Uh, which uh, <laughs> translates out to The Godfather. Uh, <laughs> no. But we had a couple of uh, Temblores this morning. I don't know if you slept through, uh, slept through them. Boy, uh, no, I, uh, they woke me up. Uh, yeah, I, I am normally someone who sleeps through earthquakes, but this one... Not that it was, I mean, it was a 4.2, which is not small, but it was in Pacoima, which is even closer to you than it, but that's close to both of us. Yeah. So it was definitely enough to wake me up. Uh, and then just as I was falling back to sleep, back to sleep, there was the aftershock. Yeah. And then there was another aftershock around 6.30 or so, but I was already up uh, by then. Um, anyway. I, I think I slept through the first aftershock, but it, I think it was the 6.30 one that woke me up. Um. But anyway, uh, his new movie, La Girona, is uh, his first horror film, but it is still, it's very much like a lot of horror films have, uh, despite what uh, uh, Joe Bob Briggs uh, wants out of them, uh, a lot of horror films have always had things to say about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one is almost, it, it, this is going to sound like a, a negative, uh, saying it's almost more allegory than it is horror movie, but 
it really works. Um, the premise of the movie is that there's a, a retired Guatemalan general who is now uh, being, there are daily protests outside his home and there's a trial happening about whether or not when he was in charge of the army, um, their actions toward uh, the indigenous peoples of Guatemala constituted genocide or a, or, or a, uh, a, uh, a focused ec- effort to to uh, to murder or displace indigenous uh, peoples, and at the same time this is going on, he's essentially under not by his own choice, but essentially under a form of house arrest because he can't step out outside his home uh, uh, because of these constant protests that are going on. He's, so he's holed up with his family, which is his wife, his daughter, and her daughter. Um, uh, and he's got uh, one maid and then the rest of his household staff quits and so they hire a new maid a young indigenous woman uh, who might be more than she seems Oh, uh, is she perhaps uh, <laughs> La Girona the weeping woman um, uh, tune in to find out so obviously you can see like the idea that that the indigenous this indigenous woman might be haunting him maybe his crimes from the past or haunting him the it's a real one-to-one on the, <laughs> on the allegory, but uh, it, it, it succeeds by not, by, by, by not, uh, it's not trying to pretend like it's uh, 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 not an obvious allegory. And the, the character work and the, the aesthetic execution is really beautiful, both as a horror movie and as sort of a, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, a meditation on these crimes. The the two the the two uh, uh, modes actually benefit one another. That <clears throat> that like uh, you'll you'll have there are a lot of shots that are that are very long single takes with a slow push in, and so one of those might be uh, this guy's gotten up in the middle of the night because he hears a weeping woman. That's what Lazio Ronaldo mm-hmm. is, uh, uh, and he's so he's like looking around and we're sort of very at the end of the hallway the camera slowly pushing as he's looking around the bathroom and we can kind of see a mirror in the hallway and like oh maybe there's something going on in that mirror it's a very horror movie type of yeah and then there's another scene with his wife and daughter uh having a conversation among themselves about what are this man do And and his wife is very much defending him and his daughter is like uh you know she's reading the reports of the witness testimonies that are going on in this trial and is and is starting to question her own father and they're having this conversation in hushed tones because this is all very secret they have to uh appear to be a unified front to the press of the protesters ever and in the same way you've got this slow push in you've got these two women sort of whispering mm-hmm. about these awful things and it's and so Hara Bustamante uses the same modes of, of, of filmmaking the same aesthetics uh, to to address both of the things that are going on the the one on the surface and the one that's just below the surface um, and so it it, uh, it works as a sort of 21st century slow burn horror movie for those who have come to expect horror movies to be uh, as a lot of horror movies have been over the uh, last decade or so to be more uh, atmosphere and dread than actual yeah. like monsters and scares although there are there are some of those um it it, it, it and so if you're looking for that kind of uh you know 
art house geared horror movie you'll find it if you're looking for a well acted and well written uh meditation on guatemala you know uh reckoning with its own uh past uh crimes you'll get that too so it's actually it's i think it's a really well done uh movie and, and it's uh, gonna be available on demand in, in just a few days all right. Speaking of horror, uh, I, I, every once in a while, I get just a hankering for some hammer horror. So I watched Dracula Has Risen from the Grave uh, by Freddie Francis. Um, and uh, it came out in 1968. This one, of course, features Christopher Lee. And uh, it's perfectly fine. I, I wish I could say more than that. I enjoy, I enjoy the atmosphere. I enjoy certain performances. Uh, but like like all hammer horror, um it it looks it's weird it's 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 like an expensive form of cheap or a cheap form of expensive i can't even quite put my finger on it like the sets look great you know uh they also look false like if a character is like climbing up a, a mountain like okay we've we've gone from an ex you know an exterior far away shot now we're on a set um and i don't I, I don't mind that in fact i kind of i actually love it um just the the inherent artificiality of it all i really appreciate the other thing that gets me about uh the christopher lee dracula movies even though i like his performance uh there's not much to it and what's more is the way that dracula tends to be shown outside of like the the cutting cutting to an extreme close-up of his like red eyes and stuff um the it's almost as though they just treat dracula as a matter of fact which is fine i kind of like that uh but it does not work to really make him certainly make him scary but it also doesn't really make him looming you know what i mean uh and and the way that these movies tend to work is that everybody's aware of dracula and they're where they they treat him as like there's a, a looming terror over the town and they just don't want to they don't want to talk about it they don't want to deal with it but then when you see dracula you just see it's just like oh it's just kind of a tall creepy looking guy and uh it's i feel like it's just they're they're shot in a way that's largely functional and i think that actually undercuts i recognize that these movies are not going to be scary the way we define scary now but from an atmosphere standpoint and from a just general tone i feel like there there's a workmanlike quality to the way they're made that i appreciate but it definitely does not i feel like it it diminishes the character of dracula i like the world but i feel like the character himself uh comes across as kind of small in many ways um so it's it's strange i i really like hammer horror uh but i've and i've seen i think three of these dracula movies now and i appreciate them but i don't find them uh, particularly frightening or creepy um and i really you know when you hear about christopher lee playing dracula in movie after movie after movie you kind of get in your mind like oh man this is going to be great because i know you know i've seen christopher lee in so many things and there is just this larger than life quality to him and given the nature of the character you think that's going to be that as well and then when you see that it's just pretty straightforward um which i guess could be seen as creepy in its own way. Uh, but for me, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. I like a lot of the movie, but I feel like when dealing with the, the character himself, I feel like it, it comes up a little bit short. Mm -hmm. 